Great to see all of you here. Hey, today is a super special day. Cole Young is coming to join the church and profess his faith publicly. So come on up, Cole. Bro, you got anybody with you? You got anybody coming up here with you? If you're coming up here with Cole, come on. Now's the time. You see all those people over there? They're here for you too, man. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Cole, you are an uh, amazing young man. And you uh, shared with me your faith in Jesus, and I was just so impressed with how much you love Jesus. But you know what's even better than that? That's how much Jesus loves you. He's given you an incredible mom and a great community of people who are standing here with you and a church to belong to, and Jesus is over the moon for Cole. And you heard about the gospel, and it made sense to you, and you said yes to inviting Jesus into your life and beginning to follow him with everything you have. And when we do that, Jesus says, hey, be a part of my family. Be a part of my church. And so you're coming today to profess your faith publicly and join the church. And with that, you're saying yes to following Jesus, doing life with some other people to help other people come to know who Jesus is and invite them to follow him too. So let me ask you these questions. Do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving his wrath and hopeless without his mercy? And do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you trust him alone for salvation as he's offered in the gospel? Yes. And do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will seek to live as a follower of Christ should? Yes. And do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? And do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church and promise to promote its purity and peace? Mm -hmm. All right. Now, I'm going to pray for you. And uh, just one more time, will you just turn around and look at these folks here? Look at your mom. She's so happy. And look at these folks down here. Look at your student pastor here. Let's... let's Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for Cole. Thank you for the work of the gospel that you call everyone. And some say yes to following you with everything they have. And Cole is one of those that you have saved and drawn to you. And, and I pray that every day of his life, Cole would remember in some way the work of the gospel, what you have done for him, Jesus. And that every day he would have opportunity to make a difference in the life of another person to help them see and know who Jesus is. And Jesus, lock him into a community of believers who can help him grow and, and whom he can help grow, always, always pointing up to you as Savior and Lord. Thank you so much for this special day in Cole's life in the life of all of us who love him. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, buddy.
Great. Testing. Okay. I would like to share a few words. Let me see this for a second. There we go. You're good now. Okay. Um, I would like to share a few words about how um, I accepted Jesus. So I uh, went to D now at knowing going into there just looking for something to do, I guess. And I came out with a follow up with with an idea of who Jesus was and I and I decided to accept him. So you're wondering how I got there, probably. Um, well, uh, I, uh, just, I just could hear, I asked at D-Now if, you know, if I actually, if I, if I am a follower <laughs> of Jesus, and I heard a faint reply saying, yes, yes you are, and I believe that was God talking to me, and I decided to give him a shot, and accept him. Amen. Amen. Good job, man. Now, would you say these people should give him a shot, too? All right. I think so, too. Hey, thanks, y'all. That's super fun. Now, if you are here for the first time, and, and, or if you've been coming and, and you've never let us know that you're new to the community here, if you just take a minute, grab a Connect card from the seat back in front of you and, and fill out the card. Um, we'd love to know that you're here. And uh, if you are interested in, in having lunch with me, learning more about the church, would love the chance. There's a place on the card for you to mark if you'd like to get together and learn more about what we're trying to accomplish here at, uh, at Good News. The last few weeks have been really challenging. As a church, we've seen uh, many, many more people uh, fall ill with covid We've seen many, many more people in our broader community here in Northeast Florida fall ill with COVID. We're going back to school uh, tomorrow. Many students will be back in school. And so we've had to prayerfully consider what's the best way to provide a safe environment and also get back to uh, our Wednesday night and our Sunday morning ministries to children and students. And so we've sent out some information uh, regarding our kids' ministry and regarding our student ministry uh, with some reminders about some common sense things that we think are, are super helpful. Like, if you're sick, don't come to church. We have the opportunity to follow online. There's resources for kids, for students, and for adults online to participate in worship. Uh, if, if you've been exposed uh, to COVID and, and, and you've been encouraged to quarantine, that includes uh, church. If you come to church and you feel more comfortable distancing and wearing a mask, do that. If you feel more comfortable worshiping online, thank you for joining us online. But listen, we're only going to get through this 
together. We're only going to be able to be a community of love if we seek to listen to one another and love one another and pray for one another. To me, the threat of COVID, the greatest threat of COVID, is what I see it doing to pull people apart. That is the greatest danger. I want us to be a people who come together. Now, our student ministry has made the decision to move back a week. Rather than starting this Wednesday night, we're going to start the following Wednesday night. And if you have a child or a student who's involved either in kids' ministry or student ministry, and you haven't received an update from Lisa or from uh, Joe in the past week, then you're not on the email list, and you can help us solve that by grabbing a Connect card, put your name and your email down, and, and let us know if you need to receive updates from either kids' ministry or student ministry. Now, next week is a special Sunday, and next week we're going to be emphasizing the next generation. We're going to have a, an opportunity to have uh, Brian Morgan, who's an elder at Good News and also the principal at Piccolata, uh, elementary school. He'll be here to speak. He's going to share a message of how prayer has impacted his life and the life of his work as a principal. And he's going to invite us into a lifestyle of praying for the next generation. Because if we don't pray, what could we expect? We need to be a people. We can be a people who pray for the next generation. And we're going to do it next week. We're going to pray from the stage, but also together uh, for kids and students, for faculty and administrators and teachers at schools. We'll have guests with us, and so we look forward to next week. I encourage you, as you get to know your teachers of your kids this week, invite them to join us um, next week for that special Sunday as Brian shares with us and as Joe and Lisa help lead us in prayer for the next generation. Now I'm going to turn in your Bible, grab your Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to keep going through this book of 1 Peter, and we come to chapter 4. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. Uh, you can follow along on the screen. After I've read the passage, I'll pray, and then we'll jump into it. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh... Arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, and carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead, for the gospel has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead, 
that though they are judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. May you take your word and, and make it real to our hearts that we might see Jesus and that from hearing your word preached, those who are far from you would be drawn to you and those who are in Christ would be built up and strengthened in their faith in Jesus and and those who are moving into the mission of making the gospel known would be equipped for the work of the ministry. And, and Lord, together we could be a people who love more and more to make a big deal about you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, take the word, press it into our hearts, convict and comfort and help and heal and encourage and equip. Holy Spirit, if you don't work this morning, everything I say will have no effect. It'll bounce off of hearts. And Father, I don't want that. So I ask you with Jesus to send the Holy Spirit to this place to make the word real to people. And while you're doing that, make it real to me too. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you, do you think that in the coming days, in the coming weeks, in the coming months and years, will it become easier or more difficult to follow Jesus in the midst of the culture in which we live? Will it get harder or will it get easier? Let me ask you this. If you've been following Jesus for many, many years, thank you. Thank you for being one of those wise sages that we so desperately need in the church. If you've been following Jesus for many, many years, has it gotten harder or has it gotten easier in the midst of our culture to stand up and say the name of Jesus? Has it gotten harder or has it gotten easier? Listen, if you are a young person and you're trying to decide, is it worth it to follow Jesus in the midst of this culture? Can I just tell you, following Jesus with everything you have is the greatest decision that anyone could ever make. Jesus Christ is worthy. Jesus Christ is the Lord of all things. And you will never be disappointed by his love for you. Now, you will, as you follow Jesus, have trouble and difficulty it's a reality. Jesus told his disciples, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And what I want us to know this morning is that following Jesus is worth it, not because of all the great things that will come our way as we follow him, and there will be some, 
But following Jesus is worth it because Jesus is worthy of anything that we might sacrifice for him. In fact, when you get to the end of your life, you will very likely say, in light of the glory that is about to be yours, you will likely say, if you're in touch with Jesus, I never made a sacrifice. I am so thankful that Jesus has proved himself to me over and over and over again. Jesus Christ is worth suffering for. Now, by, by every measure, the past hundred years for the church around the world has been characterized by two things. One, growing persecution and suffering, and also expansion and growth for the gospel. You say, how can that happen? Around the world today, around 200 million followers of Jesus face direct hostility to themselves because of their faith in Jesus. That is a reality. But did you know that in those countries, the top 50 countries where, where persecution, hostility to Jesus is the strongest? 60% of those countries are experiencing growth within the church. And a third of those are experiencing rapid growth. The work of the gospel is not undone by suffering. In fact, there's a proving to the watching world that when we live for Christ and endure hostility and suffering and persecution, it draws people to Jesus rather than pushing people away from Jesus. Now, in this passage, I want us to see three things. Number one, I want us to see the reason, two things actually. Did I say three? It's habit. It's only two this week. You say, oh, praise the Lord. Only two. Two things this week. Number one, the reason, reason for the suffering. And then second, the resources that are available to us to respond well in the face of suffering. The reason for the suffering, and then second, the resources available to us. So let's look at the reason for the suffering. Verse 4, in all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation, and they malign you. So what is the reason for the suffering? What is the reason for the hostility? What is the reason for the hatred? The Christians in Peter's day, were maligned. The word literally is they were blasphemed. Insults and abuse were hurled against the Christians and all sorts of false reports about their character and about their practices were spread about them. They were maligned. Why? Because they followed Jesus and they experienced a transformed life by grace. When the gospel moved into the church, the church began to experience a radical transformation, not only in their thinking, 
but in their ways of living. And when their ways of living were transformed by grace, they stood out. And when they began to stand out, they began to be maligned by the culture around them. Look at verse 2. So as to live... Uh, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Now, how did they get to a place where their lives were being transformed, their lives were being changed? It's in this word, desire, desire. It's in this idea of desire that the secret to what the church was able to be was found. Now, in the time when the New Testament was written, there were two very popular philosophies when it came to desire. One philosophy said that all desire is good and you should just go for it. That sounds pretty good, except it doesn't work very well. It leads you into a life of growing and growing brokenness. There was another philosophy that said this, all desire is bad. Don't have anything to do with it. Don't taste. Don't touch. Don't handle. Stay far away. Suppress your desires. No, that sounds pretty good, except it doesn't work very well. And it's the same philosophies that are so common today. One philosophy says, if it feels good, do it. Be autonomous. Have it your way. Express your desires. Embrace who you really are. Hmm. The other says, it's a more conservative way of viewing life. And it says, oh man, you got to get yourself under control. You got to work hard. You got to be disciplined. You got to try. Hmm. Jesus Christ came into the world. And he doesn't preach the philosophy of have it your way. Jesus Christ comes into the world and he doesn't preach the philosophy of try harder. The gospel is a completely different way of living. The gospel comes into the world and it says you're not free to do whatever you want to do, but you are free to do what you ought to do. The gospel comes into the world and it says, you are not saved by trying hard to control yourself and live a good, holy, happy life. You're saved through faith in Jesus who has lived the life for you that you should have lived but couldn't. The gospel says that the world was held captive in sin. But Jesus has come to set us free. And Jesus says, when you follow me, you become my servant. That following me includes setting aside your own desires, 
so that you might pursue his desires. It's not the liberal view. It's not the conservative view. It's the gospel that enables us to experience the transformed life that was turning the world of the first century upside down. In the first century, just like in our century, there was a incredible culture of sensuality, an incredible culture of debauchery and drunkenness, an incredible culture of the worship of all sorts of deities and idols. And the gospel came and said, there's one Lord, Jesus. There's one God, There is one way. There's one truth. And when the people who were proclaiming this gospel of grace began to have their lives turned around and turned inside out and upside down, when their lives began to be changed, there was a war between people who wanted to have it their way and wanted to go their own way And people who were inviting them, turn, turn, follow Jesus, follow his way, follow his wisdom. He's worthy of your worship. Set aside idols and worship Jesus. He's worthy of you following him. Desire. Setting our affections on Jesus as our ultimate joy, our ultimate delight is the way that we move forward in this transformed life. Now, this is so important. C.S. Lewis, in his sermon, The Weight of Glory, says this, it would seem to me that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. The pathway toward holiness is not in desiring less, but in worshiping Jesus more. It's not not in embracing our desires or suppressing our desires. It's by seeing all our joys and desires fulfilled in Jesus. Now let me show you a verse that in just the last year has revolutionized the way I understand my own desires. It's Psalm 37, verse 4. And I want to help you see what this verse teaches. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, there was a time in my life where I was a young Christian And I came across this verse, and I said, this is amazing. 
I'm going to delight myself in the Lord. Look at my life, Lord. I'm spending time with you. I'm sharing my faith. I'm praying. And now, gimme, 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 gimme. I get all the stuff. You're going to give me the desires of my heart. This is a great deal. You're going to, I'm going to close every deal. My bank account is going to be full. I'm going to prosper in every way. I'm going to be healthy all the time. Didn't quite work out that way. How's it working out for you? It must mean something else than that. It must mean something different than that. I said, well, he who delights himself in the Lord, he will give you the desire of your heart. So it must mean this. It must mean that as I delight in the Lord, he shapes and molds and forms my heart so that more and more I want to desire the things and delight in the things that he desires. And that was better. But I wasn't quite there yet. There was a third thing that the Lord wanted to teach me through this verse. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What I've learned in the last year is that my delight and my desire are the same thing. And his name is Jesus. God is interested in me placing all my trust, all my hope, all my joy in Jesus plus nothing. And when he invites us to follow Jesus, what he's inviting us to is to find all of our delight and all of our desire both terminate in one person named Jesus. And he will always let me in. He's never let me down. And oh, even though I have disappointed him time without number, he is the delight and desire of my heart. How's it with you? Is your delight and your desire both terminating, finding their source of everlasting life in Jesus? Or are you continuing to look to something else in addition to Jesus to build your life upon? When you do that, that is exactly the abominable idolatry putting anything other than Jesus at the center of your life. And I tell you this not to scold you, but to comfort you and encourage you that Jesus is worthy. And if you'll trust in him alone for salvation and for all of life, he will not disappoint you. So, what is the reason for the suffering that the church is experiencing they've become like this little creature here they've become i think i think this thing is i wrote it down because i knew i'd forget it oh er ermine they're they're ermines and so are you if you're following jesus now maybe ermine you know look it's hard to know how to pronounce things but the point is, this little creature, beautiful coat, right? People want it. People want that coat. And so there's hunters. 
Now, this creature, the ermine, we'll just go with that pronunciation. The ermine, the ermine loves its coat. It loves it. It doesn't want to pollute it. It doesn't want to stain it. It has a strong instinct towards purity. And so the hunters, rather than setting traps for the ermine, will go out and they'll find the ermine's nests, the holes and trees and clefts of rocks where the ermine live, and they'll coat the entrance to the place where these little beautiful little things live. They'll coat it with filth, garbage, smelly, dirty, nasty stuff. And then they'll set their dogs loose. And the dogs will chase the, the ermine all through the forest until it comes to its house. And when it comes to its house, it won't go in because it doesn't want to pollute its coat. When Jesus Christ moves into our life, we become ermine. We don't want our life to be polluted. We don't want our life to be corrupted. And we stand out. We're easy to see. And that causes the world to be hostile to the church and hostile to the gospel. But we're not undone because our hearts have found something to be satisfied in, to stand in, to be secure in, to have hope in that is greater than the temporary pain of the hostility of the world. Young people, following Jesus is worth it. Not because he'll fill your bank account and bless you with health and, and prosperity, but because he will never disappoint you. He'll never let you, he'll always let you in, and he'll never let you down. Build your life upon him. Now, how do we get there? What resources can we draw upon in order to live that kind of life? Well, there's two. The first resource is this. The life and death and resurrection of Jesus and our union with him. Look at verse 1. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh... Arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, as I've walked through the book of 1 Peter, I've told you again and again and again what Jesus Christ has done on the cross and in his resurrection to, break the, to pay the penalty of sin. That on the cross, the just was given for the unjust. Jesus, the Holy One, Jesus, the Sinless One, became sin for us so that through Him we might become the righteousness of God. That Jesus Christ was our substitute on the cross. On the cross, He paid the full and awful penalty that our sins deserve. You are invited to turn from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ. And when you do, the promise of Scripture is that you will be forgiven of all your sin, past, present, and future, and you will receive 
the perfect record of Jesus, his righteousness credited to your account, and you can go to bed tonight with the assurance that you're forgiven, you're accepted, you have a new status with your heavenly Father. He loves you. And because of his great love for you, he gave his son as your substitute on the cross. That is good news. It, bra- it pays the penalty due us for our sin. But verse 1 is referring to something else that we receive through our union with Jesus, our closeness to Jesus and his work for us. We not only experience Jesus paying the penalty of sin, we also experience Jesus breaking the power of sin. How am I going to get to a place where I begin to experience this transformed life? By identifying myself as having been co-crucified with Jesus. That when he died, something dramatic happened in my life with him that has broken the power of sin in my life. I now don't have to follow the sinful desires of my heart because I'm joined to Jesus and he's broken the power of sin. Paul in Romans 6 explains it even more. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. When Christ died, you died with him. If you've put your trust in Christ and you've committed to following him, you died with him to the power of sin. It doesn't have to reign in your life. Now imagine, imagine that you are in the army and you have an awful commander I mean, you have a sergeant who is just a jerk. He screams orders at you. He yells at you all the time. Every day you get up, and nothing is ever good enough for him. And you serve, and you serve, and you obey, and you obey, and you do your best, but it's never good enough. He screams at you from sunrise to sunset, from revelry to taps yelling at you all the time. But finally, you get your discharge. You're out of the army. You start to grow your hair long. You're enjoying your life as a civilian. But one day, one day, you meet your sergeant out on the street. 
and he starts screaming at you. What's the matter with you? Your hair's too long. You tuck in your shirt. Drop and give me 20. And for a second, you start to get down on the ground and do push-ups. And then you remember, army. I'm no longer under his command. I have a new life. And it's the same for you, Christian. The power of sin has been broken. You have a new commander. And sin will come. Temptation will come. It'll bark orders at you. It'll accuse you of all the ways that you've missed the mark. And it'll tell you, try harder. Drop down and give me 20. And you'll be tempted to obey. But remember this. You have a new commander. His name is Jesus. And Jesus says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I've moved into your life. And as your loving Lord, I invite you to follow me, not in order to experience my love, but because I've given you every reason to believe that I'm crazy about you. I love you. I'm for you. And I'm with you. Oh, do you see the difference? Do you see the resource available to us in this new commander, this new loving Lord who's moved in? Second resource, the hope of eternal life. The hope of eternal life. Look at verse 6. The gospel has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead. That though they are judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. Eternal life. If Christ has moved into your life, you will experience eternal life in three stages. Now, it's good. You know Christ. He's moved into your life as, his, as your loving Lord. There will be a time when you will die. And when you die, your spirit will live immediately in the presence of the Lord, awaiting the day when Christ will come again and your body will be raised and body and spirit together will be present with the Lord on a new heaven, new earth, here with Jesus forever. That's eternal life. It's good now. It's better the moment that we leave this earth through death, but the best is yet to come. And when we live in the reality of eternal life, the good, better, best life in Jesus, suddenly the sufferings of this present life are temporary, but the blessings and joys of eternity are just that. They're eternal. They go on forever. Aren't you glad to know Jesus? Aren't you glad to know and follow him? He's broken the power of sin in your life. He's given you eternal life. Now, how do we get this into our life? We arm ourselves for suffering. We determine ahead of time how we're going to respond to suffering. 
Verse 1, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, based on the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, your eternal life joined to Jesus, therefore, arm yourselves also with the same purpose. Because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Arm yourself for suffering. There's a, there's a, we'll call him experienced. There's a very experienced saint, a very experienced missionary who served in China most of his life. And early in his life, when he went to China for the first time as a missionary, he was counseled, he was encouraged, he was coached by the people who discipled him to determine, to arm himself for three truths. And I want to use these three truths to encourage you. Arm yourself for suffering by knowing these three things. Number one, do not fear the suffering. Do not fear it. Why? Because Jesus Christ reigns in your heart. Again, the answer is not Try harder. Fear less. No, the answer is to arm yourself with the gospel. To arm yourself with the truth of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Your heart can have Christ reigning on it. Do not fear. Second, do not believe. Do not believe the lies that the world tells you. Do not believe the lies that the word tells you about where life is really found. Believe the truth of God's word. That true life, true joy, true delight, true desire is found in Jesus. He's the source of life. Don't fear. Christ is reigning and ruling in your heart. Don't believe the lies that the world tells you third. Don't count on anything from the world. Don't expect to receive anything from the world. But don't worry about being destitute because your heavenly Father has promised to provide for you through the church, through his people, and through his direct provision. You can count on him. So Paul told a group of suffering Christians... My God shall supply all your needs in accordance with his glorious riches in Christ. Don't expect the world to take care of you. Expect the Father to take care of you. And he will. What hope do you have of that? Look at all he's already done for you. He's already demonstrated his love for you in this, that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. You have every reason to trust him now and to trust him in the future. So don't fear. Don't believe the lies. Don't expect anything from the world except hostility. And listen, when everything's going well, <laughs> don't expect, don't expect bad things. And when everything's going poorly, don't give up hope. Listen, whatever's going on in your life right now, if it's suffering, come to Jesus. Expect him to help and provide and support. And if everything's going well, point to Jesus and say, 
Oh, Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for your amazing grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your church. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your help. Thank you for the work of the cross through which the world has been crucified to us and us to the world, that we have been co-crucified with you and, and we no longer live, but you now live in us. Jesus, thank you for paying the penalty for sin and breaking the power of sin. And Father, I pray for everyone in this room and, and everyone watching online and everyone who'll hear this message in the future that, Lord, if there's any hearing the message and they feel you drawing them to, them, them to you for the first time, that, that they would simply say yes to that drawing. That they'd turn from their sin and trust in you by, by saying, Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you in many ways and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe that you lived the life I should have lived and died the death I deserved to die. I turn loose of sin and I trust you for eternal life. Come into my life as Savior and Lord and help me become the person you want me to be. Jesus, I pray your Holy Spirit would help us this week to arm ourselves for life with you and that you would show up in hundreds of different ways in our life to show us that you really are with us and for us, that we might be strengthened along the way. For I pray in Jesus' name.